Welcome to The Untrue Show, episode four. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, everybody? I am feeling a lot better than I have been the past couple days. I've been under the weather. I don't know if it's a cold, a stomach bug, something has just gotten me down. And so it's nice to wake up this morning and feel slightly better than I did before. And I hope the same for y'all too. It's really beginning to look a lot like Christmas as we get closer to the holiday. And I am excited. I love Christmas. Um, I've really enjoyed looking at all the holiday decorations. I work in a really big office building. So it's nice to go to different floors and see all the trees and the ornaments and yeah, it's been fun. Um, this week we're having a cookie exchange at work, so I'm making one of my favorite cookies to make, which is oatmeal raisin cookies. And I'm excited to to do that and just to celebrate with all my coworkers. And yeah, so let's get into the trending topics for today. So I feel like there's been so much stuff going on over the last week since I last recorded the podcast and... I'm excited to talk about them with you guys. So Kanye actually got out of the hospital, which I think is is great news. And he's still receiving outpatient care, which I think is is the best step. Um, Anytime you go to the hospital for everything that he went through, um, follow up is necessary. And I'm glad that they're taking this very seriously. And they're continuing with uh, everything that he has been like dealing with while he was in inpatient treatment just outside of it. So the second thing was, did you guys see that LeBron James became the first player in NBA history to get 27,000 points, 7,000 rebounds, and 7,000 assists? As I say those numbers out loud, they just sound so outrageous. That is so, so exciting, so cool. I think that LeBron James is probably going to go down in history as one of the best basketball players of all time, especially with this coming out. I mean, that's just... It's unfathomable that someone could achieve all those things and be at that level. And he's had a great career with three rings. So he only continues to get better and better, which as an athlete, you can only dream of. I mean, as you get older, it's hard to want to do that stuff. And it's good that he's still fighting. He still has a great chance. It's a great thing going. And I think it's great. Like, I'm excited for him and I'm excited to see what he's going to continue to do. So I just read this stat that the movie Hook turns 25. I don't know if you guys have seen Hook, but it's the Peter Pan um, narrative with Robin Williams as Peter Pan, like the grown-up version who comes back to save his son. I think his son's name is Jack in the movie. I can't remember. And Tinkerbell is Julia Roberts. And it's very, to me, I thought it was really over the top, but I I love Robin, all Robin Williams movies. So I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed his parts the most and Rufio, I mean, who doesn't remember that scene? So that part's all in there, but I can't believe that movie's 25, man, getting older. Wow. Yeah. So that movie turned 25 this week. Other trending topics happening right now. Let's see. So did you guys see that Donald Trump was named Times Person of the Year? Yeah, that was, I wouldn't call it shocking because he's definitely, I mean, he's, going to be the president and that is what it is and I think we all have to kind of accept that now as it gets closer and closer to inauguration time um that he's he's our person he's the representative of America and it is what it is so 
the thing about it is the cover I've seen it imposed side by side next to Hitler. Um, definitely not a great comparison, but it was interesting to see how similar their covers look. And the more and more I learn about um, Donald Trump, it's just it gets interesting and all his business ventures and everything that he's going through as he begins to take on the presidency. It's an interesting time in America right now. So I want to continue to be optimistic and hopeful that everything's going to work out. And I mean, no president we've ever had in history has like totally ruined our country. So I don't think this, that's going to happen under Donald Trump, but hopefully um, the racial tensions won't be so strong as he gets inaugurated and as he continues to to take on the role of president in our country but the caption under Donald Trump's uh, name on the person of the year cover says president of the divided states of America and I think that's a a bold statement but also a very honest reflection of where we are at this time since he's been elected it has been very divided and hopefully hopefully that will change I really hope that it does so that's our person of the year, Donald Trump. <laughs> um, coming up soon, I saw that Michelle Obama is going to give her last interview as first lady to Oprah. And President Obama is going to give his last or he's going. I don't know if it's his last interview, but he's going to be on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. So I'm not sure if you guys watch The Daily Show. I don't always watch it because I don't have cable, but I catch the clips online. Um, and of course he's been a hot topic this week because of his interview with Tommy Lauren. And that was interesting. Um, and I did purchase his book, Trevor Noah's book. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it, I'm excited to read it. And I've just kind of gotten started with the first couple pages. So it's called born a crime. Um, that's what it is. So anyway, I'm I'm currently reading that. But back to the fact that Donald, not Donald Trump, President Obama is going to be on Trevor Noah's show. I'm kind of excited to see how the two of them banter and uh, how that interview is going to go. And I also have been wondering, and if anyone out there has an answer, please tweet me, email me, let me know. Because I have been wondering, I mean, Trevor Noah is constantly talking about the election, constantly talking about Donald Trump. But I was wondering, can Trevor Noah even vote in America. Um, I couldn't really find anything about it. I tried to Google around. I don't really know, but uh, it's just an interesting tidbit. I was wondering, I was like, he's so opinionated about our process and about politics in America and about Donald Trump, but does he have the opportunity to vote in, in this country? Just something I was musing on. But anyway, so I'm excited to see both of those interviews. Michelle Obama is on the cover of, I think it's the November issue of Vogue. And um, I have all of her covers from Vogue. So it was a great day to get the last one. I think it's actually the December Vogue that she's on. Yeah. I have been getting into Robin China. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watch that. It's very... I, there's certain things in my life that I categorize as like mindless entertainment and that would be one of them. So it's very mindless, um, not thought provoking, fun, engaging show that I, that I got, have gotten into. Um, and it, I just kind of laugh at it, but I think it's interesting. Um, I didn't know a lot about black China before this. So it's been interesting to just kind of watch like 
who she is, what she does. I didn't know that she had her own lash business, um, which I think is great. She was a big time entrepreneur. And I think it's nice to see Rob Kardashian kind of back on the show and trying to get healthy and getting his life together. Um, their baby's name is Dream. She has her own Instagram with tons of followers, um, which I think is very interesting. Like having a baby and putting them online. Um, I mean, I see a lot of people who protect their kids from being online. And then I see a lot of people who just kind of want to take full ownership of putting their kids out there. Like think of all the celebrities you have never even seen their children. Like I don't think I've ever seen Kerry Washington's kids or like Asha Kutcher's kids or Blake Lively's kids ever. Um, I feel like I rarely see Halle Berry's kids. So it's just like some of them protect and guard their children. And there's others like China who has an Instagram for a dream and then her son King. And then, um, I think Christina Milian's daughter has an Instagram and, but she's a little, she's not like a baby. She's a little bit older. So maybe she's man like doing her own pictures and stuff. I'm not sure, but it's interesting to see how children are being incorporated into the social media websites. Um, I guess it's better to put the, the images out there yourself instead of waiting for the paparazzi to do it or letting them make profit off your kids pictures. Cause they do make money selling those pictures to publications and, all those things so um, it, it's just interesting to think through like I don't have any kids so I'm not really sure how I'd handle it at this time and then by the time I do have kids it might be totally different around like how you how you share your kids online so just something I've been thinking through but I, I think it's really cool um, her business ventures um, the lash bar and also she's a brand ambassador or a spokesperson for MAC one of the perfumes that they have out I think it's the candy yum yum um, which I actually smelled at the mall yesterday. All of them smell like I wanted to buy all of them. Like, you know, when you go somewhere and you're like, oh my gosh, I need all of these in my collection. I really don't need all of them. So I just stood in there and like smelled them a couple times and walked away. Thank goodness. Cause they're all about, I think they're $57 for one of the shade scents and the, the scents are inspired by some of their most popular lipsticks, which I think is a cool little tie in and a great way for Mac to get into, um, selling fragrances I noticed that they had other fragrances out but this is my first time really hearing about a mac scent or have seen one promoted on Instagram because that's how I found out about this I think like literally a couple days after black china gave birth she posted a picture of her holding the perfume um looking gorgeous and I was like wow that's that was quick (laughs) you're back in action I mean maybe someone on her team did it you never know with social media but I think that it's a cool um, brand ambassadorship, and I think all the scents smell so good. So if you're looking for a fun gift, uh, I'd highly recommend those. And speaking of MAC Cosmetics, I was reading this article that said MAC Cosmetics is the most searched cosmetics brand. Um, and the the thing is, the article was like, guess which, what's the most searched cosmetics brand? Not Kylie Cosmetics. And I never thought that Kylie Cosmetics would be the most popular or most searched brand for 2016 I guess maybe because it's new and um, it has like a younger following I've never tried one of the lip kits I feel like they're always sold out but anyway so MAC is the most searched brand uh, cosmetics for 2016 and I guess that's pretty cool I mean you want to be the most searched brand I'm I'm I think that's an exciting um accolade for their social media team their seo team their email team and web production team and the product team just because so much work goes into being 
number one at anything and especially at the most searched uh, brand online. I mean, I'm pretty sure their their influencer relationships has something to do with that and a lot of the efforts that they put in. So it's great to see them do all those things and be at the top of the top of the top cream of the crop. Right. Uh, I personally have bought a couple Mac products this year and I've been pleased with all of them. Um, just I rarely buy stuff in the Mac store. In fact, I pretty much solely shop Mac through the emails that they send out. Like I bought the Ariana Grande lipstick. I bought a Dita Von Teese, um, red lipstick this year. I think that's my only two purchases, but kind of get my drift. I, um, shop Mac online. So I guess I'm part of that, that group that helped them become number one. So congratulations to Mac cosmetics In other trending news. I saw the movie loving and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but it's about an interracial relationship um, back in 1958, which was actually not that long ago. It was illegal in the state of, I think they were in the state of Virginia, for a couple who were not of the same race to be married to each other. And the movie... It was a different kind of movie to me, but it was uh, it was one of those movies like the first couple minutes in you you get angry. Like I was kind of like, this is disturbing. But at the same time, this is our history. This is the way our country used to be. People who wanted to marry each other were not permitted by law to marry each other. And that's unfortunate. Um, And I'm not even talking about like gay marriage or anything like that. I'm strictly talking about a man and a woman who wanted to marry each other. What is that? Close to almost 60 years ago could not do so. And that to me, that's so wild. Like you, you watch these movies and sometimes in my mind, I'm like, this has got to be fiction. This can't be, this can't be where we were, but it was where we were. And, um, basically what happened is the couple knew they couldn't get married in Virginia. So they went to Washington And the woman who was African-American, her name was Melinda, I believe, she said that she was Indian so they could get married in Washington. They tried to bring the marriage license and they they hung the marriage license next to the bed. One night the police broke in. They were like, that marriage license means nothing. Threw both of them in jail. She was pregnant at the time and had to stay in jail for a couple days because they would not let the man, um, her husband, bail her out of jail. They wouldn't let him go anywhere with her. They weren't supposed to be together. And then when they did get out of jail, they went to trial, said they were guilty, and basically were told never to come back to the state of Virginia together. So not to spoil the entire movie for you guys, but, um, well, maybe I've, no, I haven't done that already. (laughs) So I won't spoil the whole movie, but essentially it just kind of goes through their journey of trying to, to get back to Virginia to be around their family and not raise their children so far away from everyone um in in Washington and like I said it to me it just is like wow I can't believe this is where we were it was it was shocking but it was at the same time for me like okay that wasn't too long ago that we were in this place that people in this country thought that different couples should not be allowed to be together and um it's unfortunate to see but I'm glad that we've progressed past that about But anyway, let's get into the main topic for today. And I recently went to this reunion for the church that I grew up in, um, my childhood church. And we all got together just to kind of fellowship over dinner and just catch up with each other. And it 
made me think of the topic for this uh, podcast, which I'm going to talk about how to not be a Grinch over the holidays when everyone is asking about your relationship status. And I'm going to focus a lot on relationship status, but this really covers a lot of uncomfortable questions that we get from people close to us in some some regards around our our lives. Um, for me, some of those topics include like my relationship status, my job salary. Um, those are the two ones that people kind of ask about. And sometimes they don't ask in such a appealing way. <laughs> and even physical appearance. Um, just, just three different areas where you get uncomfortable questions and how to not be ugly about responding to those questions. I would start off by saying um, one of the the biggest things I thought of after our reunion last week was that I used to work in PR. So I was like, I should be good at navigating these questions. So for those of you who don't work in PR, have a PR background, um, celebrities and even um, business people are often coached around what to say and how to respond when people ask them questions so for instance take for example um Kim Kardashian if you've ever watched an interview with Kim Kardashian you can tell that she's been very well coached on how to how to navigate questions around uncomfortable topics like for instance the Oprah Winfrey interview that she did a couple years back it was right after she gotten her divorce from Chris Humphreys and she had just started dating um, Kanye and so any questions around being married to someone for 72 days have to be awkward but the way that she navigated the answers you could tell she had been coached and rehearsed how to respond to the questions and she anticipated what she was going to be asked and that's a big thing um, like I said in public relations if you know that a business person like a Donald Trump has lost a ton of money or you know gone bankrupt he can navigate those questions in a style that does not make him look bad or look look negatively to the audience watching at the same time um, the work of a publicist is sometimes in vain because often people will get up um, in front of uh, a person asking them these questions, an interviewer, and not be able to comfortably navigate the answers. For instance, Nate Parker, with all of the allegations around him and then his recent media tour for The Birth of a Nation, he didn't handle those questions very well and he was noticeably agitated and just kind of over the fact that he had to answer or he was being asked questions that he did not want to answer. So the first thing I'm going to tell you guys about navigating conversations or navigating questions that you don't really want to answer that make you uncomfortable would be to handle things more like Kim and less like Nate Parker. And when I say that, it means anticipate what you will be asked because when you know what you're going to be asked, then you can kind of understand how to respond to those questions. For instance, with me, I mean, when you're going around family, you're not going into new situations. It's not new territory. So you can better easily anticipate what people are going to want to talk about and what they're going to ask you. Like, for instance, I've been to family dinners and I've been asked, like, hey, did you get a big raise on your new job? Or, hey, when are you going to find a boyfriend? Have you found someone yet? We're just a different other. All variations of relationship questions to all degrees. So I know they're coming. 
and I'm okay with them, but I became more okay with them when I started working on what I would say in response to them instead of getting defensive or just being flushed or uncomfortable, having a really great answer to that question. For me, um, the salary one doesn't come up as often as the relationship one. So when it did come up, my reaction to it was a surprise because I had not anticipated that question coming. But the answer I gave was, yeah, I did. And I'm rich. Uh, kind of like a NeNe Leakes type of answer, how she's always talking about how she's rich. And it was more of a joke and everybody laughed. And then we kept talking about something else. I didn't really go into tons of details or elaborate. And you shouldn't have to elaborate or go into details about topics that are more personal like nobody needs to know your salary nobody needs to know how much money you make and sometimes when people talk about that stuff it just seems like you're bragging so fortunately that one came off as a really great slick joke but some of the relationship ones are a little bit more stinging at least for me personally because it's like I yeah I am single um and so when I get asked that question like why are you still single well that's one of those questions I think that's not framed appropriately appropriately to the person you're asking when I say it's not framed appropriately I'm saying if you go up to someone and you ask them why are you still single it kind of seems like they're at fault or they're in the wrong when being single is oftentimes a choice like for me personally I feel happy with where I am and who I am and where I'm going as a single woman. So if someone comes at me and says, well, why are you still single? That the phrasing of that question is offensive and it's hurtful. So it's hard to have a quick reaction to that because I'm like, dang, that stings a little bit. But then at the same time, I don't want to look at this past year or, you know, the, the last couple months or even the last couple years and what I've done in that time and think, man, it doesn't mean anything because I'm still single because I don't have a husband and I don't have kids. That would be ridiculous to do. So that's one, one thing I'm not going to do. But like I said, it does sting a little bit because it's like I don't have the answer to that question. And realistically, when you ask me that, are you expecting an answer or are you just trying to be mean or ugly? Because that's two different things. So when I get that question, well, why are you still single? Well, do you have someone? Um, the way that it's phrased says a lot about the intentions of the person asking. If someone asks it in a way like, well, why are you still single? To me, that's not you asking because you care about me. So that would direct the point of my answer. I'd just say, well, I haven't found the right person yet or I'm happy with where I am. And I'm not trying to find anyone right now, which is not totally true because I am dating. But sometimes I'll give an answer that'll help me get away from the person asking, which kind of leads to um, the second tip around handling uncomfortable questions. And that's know your boundaries. Well, I don't want to go into too many details about my um, relationship status all the time. And with the salary thing, I don't want to go into too many details about my salary with you. This is not a negotiation table and you're not paying me. So there's no need for us to talk about that topic, especially at a family dinner. I'd rather talk about the ingredients in the banana pudding or what kind of mix you use for the salad dressing. I mean, just other topics that are like far 
less offensive and a little bit more lighthearted than talking about money and personal relationships. So know your boundaries, kind of know upfront, like I'm going to talk about this. I want to cover this topic and know what you don't want to talk about because there's some things you don't want to talk about. For instance, you might get around um, a group of people who want to talk about someone who's not there. Well, if I don't want to talk about other people, um, I don't want to be a part of that conversation. So I'm going to try to just set that boundary to establish the fact that I'm not going to engage in that way around talking about someone else who's not in the room. So that's two things we've covered. One is anticipate what you'll be asked. And two is know your boundaries. So on to the third one, which kind of ties into know your knowing your boundaries, is excuse yourself politely. So I think sometimes we get questions and um, you're talking to a person who can't really get the hint. So if they come at you and they say, well, why are you still single? And you say, I, I feel good that way. And they're like, how can you feel good that way? Are you using the apps to find a man? Or how can you be okay being by yourself? Like they start fishing. Like they, they ask that one offensive question and they start fishing and digging. And it's like scraping a scab or something like that. You have to stop scratching at it. And um, the scab will let you know, like it's hurting. Um, but sometimes the scratcher will keep scratching. So that's what's happened to me a lot of times is where I am done with the conversation after one question, then they ask another question and I'm giving very short answers to the questions and not engaging with that person, but they don't get the hint that you're crossing my boundary, please respect it. So at that point, the third way to handle uncomfortable questions is to excuse yourself politely and walk away. And I've definitely done this one. Um, try to find somewhere else in the room to be or somewhere else in the room to go or just, um, which this one never works. So I don't even really do it anymore. But I used to get uncomfortable questions and I would like try to look in the other direction or look down. Um, yeah, that one, I failed a lot at that one. And um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it. So don't try that one. But do literally say like, hey, no, nah, I don't want to really want to talk about that right now. Or, you know, and, and, and let it go and walk away. And if they're mad about it, then they're mad about it. Um, but the thing is, you don't operate on behalf of other people and making other people happy. You really have to focus on what makes you happy. And it doesn't make me happy to have someone ask me, why are you still single? Um, there's definitely a lot nicer ways to ask. Um, or you can just say like, hey, do you have a boyfriend right now? And um, I never have anyone phrase it like that. It's always in a um, in a way that's kind of like, dang, um, that was kind of mean. Or, yeah, so. And then think about if you're the person like asking people in your family these questions, kind of pay attention to their reactions because I've been at the dinner table where um, I remember at Thanksgiving um, one person asked another person like where's your girlfriend are y'all still together well the girlfriend hadn't been at Thanksgiving for four years so context clues would tell you they're not together and then you haven't seen her at any other holidays or heard her name come up so context clues will tell you the couple's not together but the person who was being asked this question, he says, oh, I'm not sure. I haven't heard from her. And the asker is like, 
Well, where she live? What's she doing now? Well, that question should end the conversation, the last one. So try to take a hint from the person that you're talking to. You can tell when a topic kind of makes someone uncomfortable or when they're trying to get out of talking when they give you these like short one word answers. Like if you say, why don't you have a boyfriend? They say, I don't know. That's not your opportunity to dig into that. I don't know. Like, what do you mean? You don't know. Are you not trying? Are you not going places? Well, it's not, that might not be the case. Um, I think sometimes people who are married or in relationships don't really understand what some of us um, in millennials and younger generations are dealing with when it comes to dating and relationships, just because it's just a different time, a different space, and we're doing dating differently. So um, that's a whole nother topic or podcast in its entirety. But uh, yeah, I'm going to get on that one because I, I am an active dater and I have a lot of stuff to say about the topic and a lot of opinions about it. And I want to share them with you guys. Um, but in this episode, we're just going to try to talk about how to get your way out of the negative conversations. And the third one is one that I've had to use often. And it's just excuse yourself and politely keep it moving from the conversation. Try not to get mean. Try not to get ugly. I've taken that route too. That's not the good route. Just try to keep a smile on your face and say, you know, oh, you know, I got to go. I'm going for dessert. <laughs> I've done that one. That one did work. So, all right. So just to recap, the three ways to handle uncomfortable questions are anticipate what you will be asked if you can. Kind of know your relatives so you know what's coming before you get into the room. Uh, two would be know your boundaries. You know what is okay and what's not okay, what you want to talk about, what you don't want to talk about, what's private, what's more personal. Um, and the third one is excuse yourself politely and walk away and do it. I'm telling you, it will make your life better, make you feel better. And it's okay to not want to engage in a conversation that you don't want to be a part of. Family or no family, love them but you don't have to talk about topics you don't want to talk about. All right, it's time for the shrew and the unshrew. So just to recap from last episode, the shrew is the negative side of things. The unshrew is the positive spin on things. All right, the shrewd part of me is going to talk about paying for boxes. So I was shopping at um, a store and they tried to charge me 50 cents for boxes and I didn't need a box so I was like okay whatever but this lady two other ladies in the store needed boxes and they were like heck no we're not paying um they couldn't really justify paying for boxes that they got like last year for free from the same store and they're like sorry you know it's 50 cents per box now um yeah ladies weren't having it and honestly I feel where they're coming from. Like, it's hard for me to want to pay for a box after years and years and years of just getting so many boxes for free, like, all the time. So I can see where they're coming from. The untrue part of me is going to talk about the fact that the 50 cents went towards charity. So they didn't really position that part of things or that part of the story when they were telling us that it cost 50 cents. They tried to throw that in after people start complaining. They're like, Oh, well, it goes to charity. But by that point, people were already like, no, nah, I'm not paying 50 cents for this box. I'm going to go to another store. And sure enough, 
um, I went to a different store and got like six boxes. So I know I used to work in retail and there's, they get so many boxes there. I'm not really sure why they charge. I mean, raising money for a cause is a great reason to charge for a box, but it's hard for a consumer to be like, yeah, 50 cents towards charity. When in all honesty, it's like, I used to get boxes for free. So I just, I don't want to be forced to contribute to or donate to this charity just to get a box that used to be free to me. So yeah, take that as, take that as you, as you want to, but I see where they're coming from. It's just hard to want to, to pay for something you used to get free all the time. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm having so much fun podcasting so far, and I can't wait to talk with you guys more. I have a lot of really great stuff in store for the year coming ahead. I'm going to talk more about dating. If you guys like this podcast, please rate um, five stars, hopefully, in the iTunes store or Google Play. And you can follow me on Twitter at TheGreatDanaJ. That's my Twitter handle. And email me at TheGreatDanaJ at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to The Untrue Show. And I will check in with you guys very soon. Bye.